0: Damo, you big sweet tooth. Yes, MP, you chocoholic. So naughty, but nice. We're a hit at the wellness summit, and I want more. Well, how does twenty recipes in their free ebook, Heavenly Healthy Desserts, sound, MP? Jeep, demo, I'm loving that. Or you can hop on down to their brand new cafe selection cafe in South Melbourne and receive 10% off your favourite healthy desserts. Woohoo! To do so, go to So Naughty But forward slash couch and fill in your details to receive your free ebook and discount voucher. That's www. So Naughty But forward slash couch. So Naughty But Nice, delicious nutrition. WellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Pull up a rock by the campfire. It's time for That Paleo Show with your hosts, Sarah Stewart, Steve Hayter, and the man with no shoes, Brett Hill. Welcome to That Paleo Show, making the paleo lifestyle easy and accessible for everyone. I'm Brett Hill. And this week, I'm really pleased to be joined by a fellow Australian who's been spending a bit of her time overseas as well, Who's who's got a great website, a great following online and it's Tess Masters from Blender Girl. Hey Tess, how are you?
1: Thank you for having me, Brett
0: absolute pleasure I'm really excited to this one I'm going to get some new ideas I reckon some new recipes hopefully for what we can stick into the blender because it's it feels like that maybe winter is starting to end here in Australia we might be getting towards spring I reckon which is a bit exciting and so getting the blender out seems like a really good idea at this time of year Um, so Tess I'd love you to tell us a bit about your journey how did this all happen this whole blender girl phenomenon what was the start of this sort of health and wellness journey for you?
1: Oh, I, um, well, I've always been into healthy living, but I grew up on a pretty conventional meat and three veg diet, but I was just always tired and wanted to take a nap around two o'clock. So my parents took me off to a naturopath about 20 years ago when that was, you know, a very hippie kind of a thing to do (laughs) now. It's, you know, very mainstream. (laughs) Yeah. And he suggested I give up gluten and dairy, um, and meat and I felt better almost overnight. So that was really the impetus into a revolution into the way that I ate. So I really became intoxicated and really interested in this idea of food as medicine and food, um, you know, with healing. So I, you know, really became quite obsessed, you know, I read everything I could read and it took a gajillion classes and I um you know was macrobiotic for 10 years and then I did Chinese yin and yang principles I was paleo and grain free long before it was paleo and I was a raw foodist I did you know vegan principles ayurvedic techniques Chinese yin and yang principles body ecology alkalinity oh I I literally tried every whole foods diet known to man and they all had something really incredible to offer but no one diet was one size fits me so the minute that I embraced the concept of bio-individuality, that one blanket diet won't work for everybody and there isn't just one way to move through the world and particularly move through the world with food, my entire world opened up. And that's when I realized that, you know, fluidity and flexibility were the keys to success for me. And then I can cherry pick what I like from different whole foods diet to create the perfect test diet that changes and grows as my needs do. You know, Depending on the climate, my exercise levels, my activity levels, my age, Um my emotions and in so forth. And so when I went to start a website, you know, because I was just, you know, a very, you know, conscientious cook and I was always, you know, having dinner parties and people were asking me what I made, I sort of started researching, um, you know, different Whole Foods websites that were out there and there are some amazing websites. So I wanted to do something a little bit different. So I was sitting there with my blender and my green smoothie and I thought, oh, all right. And so I sort of started researching and back then, you know, five, five or six years ago, there, there wasn't really any websites out there with people blending beyond juices and smoothies. Mm. So, um, I thought, okay, that's a bit of an opening. And so the more that I researched blending as a method of food prep, the, the, you know, very quickly became a metaphor for how I live my life and how I believe we all do. We blend different notes and philosophies, cultures, flavors, you know, work, loving relationship, hobbies, you know, spirituality and so forth to build our perfect blend for health and happiness. So I started asking people, what's your perfect blend? And, you know, one email a week turned into 10, turned into 500, turned into 5,000. And so here we are. And so um, a few years ago, yeah, you know, yeah, about three years ago, the the publishing houses and, you know, networks and all that sort of stuff started coming and, you know, finding this this way of thinking about food, you know, interesting. And so I signed a a multi-book deal with Random House in New York um and the first the blender girl cookbook the first book was released last april and so because that you know there are smoothies and full meals and desserts and salads and all kinds of different things that you can use you know your blender for you know recipes made in and around the blender it's not all (laughs) pureed food and so everybody kept emailing us about these smoothies you know sort of saying these smoothies are the best smoothies we've ever had and so The media and you know different people and so um the blender girl smoothies became the big digital project for penguin random house last year and it was um, one of the three finalists for best app of the year last year so because it's only for ipad and iphone um we were you know inundated with thousands of emails from android users so we just in the interim while we figure out the best way to offer the app for android users we decided to turn it into a book so the blender girl smithy's book was launched uh by penguin random house in america and penguin and penguin random house in australia um, on june 30th this year so i'm on tour in australia with that book right now and then i'm just about to go on a a national tour around America next week. So, yeah, that's kind of how it all started. And so for me it's just the blender is a really great vehicle to make quick, easy, healthy, fast food. So for me really my message is, you know, there's so much conflicting information about health and nutrition out there, but the one thing that everybody agrees on is that vegetables are a boon to health. So my message is how do we get as many of those whole foods into our diet in the quickest amount of time possible and make some really quick, easy, delicious things. So all of my recipes are tested on children. If a 12-year-old can't make the recipe, it doesn't make it in my books. (laughs) So that's kind of how it all started.
0: I like that. I like that. Well, first of all, congratulations because that's – Awesome. That's, that's an amazing journey. And, and obviously the fact that you're getting out there now, getting these books out to the masses is a very exciting thing. So congratulations and well done on that journey. So, um, I've got a few questions that came from that. So let's, let's get into it. So one of the things you mentioned as you were going through that, um, I guess is that Blender Girl is, is almost more like a metaphor than a, than a, a statement of what you do in terms of, you know, yes, you're talking about using the blender to make lots of these foods, but you're also, you know, a more holistic philosophy, which is around blend- Ending all those different principles you spoke about. So, you know, do what drove your philosophy behind that, I guess? What what drove you to to take this approach, this whole food approach? Was it just that meeting with the naturopath? Or, you know, what have been your other influences along the way?
1: Yeah, I mean, like I said, you know, I tried absolutely everything, it really in depth, not dabbled in it for a few months, but you know, really was on a lot of these different kind of regimes, for want of a better expression. And um, I just knew that I could feel better. And so I went to a lecture from a a, a guy called Stephen Akoof and he also had started from a macrobiotic background and then had gone grain free, you know, a very similar journey to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and he really came to this concept of bioindividuality and this was, you know, many 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 years ago. That's a very popular catchphrase now and you know more and more people are coming to this idea that um, you know, you know, you're really looking for an individualized approach to health. You know, it's not just a quick fix, you know, one particular approach that's just going to work for everybody. So that was really the big turning point for me. Um, where I just realized that there were particular things that were always going to remain staples, you know, so leafy greens, being gluten-free, being dairy-free, um, eating whole foods, um, not using sweeteners and refined products and processed foods and all that sort of stuff. But in and around that, there were all these other things that I could add into a more comprehensive um, lifestyle Um Way of moving through things, and so yeah, that that's really uh, what I share in my books um, and on my website. So it's just a much more interesting way to think about things, and very very freeing for people. And I think that that's why it's gained so much traction um, in the media. Is that um, I think people are really repelled by anything that's extreme, and I certainly am as as on a personal level. So for me, I think that adopting a more gentle approach to health um and you know trying different things and seeing what works for you and taking what you like and leaving the rest whilst at the same time adhering to certain key principles is is really much more interesting to me so uh that's a dialogue that that I want to engage with rather than you can't have this and you shouldn't have this and if you do this you'll die and if you do this you're less than that's just I feel that like that's just too rigid, um, and, and not fun, you know, and food is one of the great pleasures of life. It has to be fun and interesting. So that to me is the most interesting way to back into the story.
0: Nice. And so you've spoken there about, you know, fluidity and flexibility and, and having a test diet. So, you know, how do you do that? How do you, how do you determine whether a certain way of eating or a certain, you know, way of eating for you at that particular time is working for you? Is, is it just based on how you feel or do you measure other markers as well? Or, you know, what do you use to determine what's working and what's not?
1: Yeah, I mean, several different things, you know. I mean, I'm certainly, I, I certainly would call myself an intuitive eater and an intuitive person in the sense that I will listen to my own body. I think that if you have acute health issues, keeping a food diary and a wellness diary is a really powerful thing. And I think that after two weeks, a very clear pattern develops about what's working and what isn't. Um, I will certainly go and, and seek advice from my healthcare professionals, you know, by th- both mainstream, holistic, alternative or whatever, you know, labels we want to stick on it. But I will have my levels tested. I will do blood tests. I will, um, you know, do all of those things to determine, you know, where I'm at, you know, in my story. So I don't just self-diagnose. I mean, I certainly... Um, you know, have a lot of diagnostic information to inform me about what I need to be doing, what I don't need to be doing. And, you know, for me, I'm very thirsty with information. I'm just always looking, you know, we're constantly learning uh, new things to do with health. Um, and we're constantly discovering, um, you know, the biohacking movement is particularly interesting to me. And I look forward to that becoming a lot more mainstream in the next year, where people are really challenging themselves to create the most nutrient dense experiences and put the most you know, uh, really give themselves a, you know, an unfair advantage, so to speak, with their health. So, you know, I'm always reading, learning from others, um, you know, engaging in dialogue with people that do what I don't do and, and you know, speaking to my therapists and doctors and all that sort of stuff. But also, really, it all all starts with listening to my own body. So I will uh, be quite methodical. If I try something new, I will only introduce one at a time because otherwise it's just impossible to tell what's working and what isn't and what's having an impact, um, you know, if you, you introduce, you know, four or five things at a time. So, um, you know, but at the same time, I mean, sometimes You know, I just do it because I, you know, like for example, okay, so at the moment I, I mean, I travel a lot anyway, but at the moment I am traveling constantly. So, you know, I'm in in a different time zone every, you know, every week and or every few days and, um, you know, flying and traveling is incredibly dehydrating, you know, so my needs are a little bit different um, at the moment than they would be if I was at home for a few weeks, you know, so just, just kind of, adapting to your environment and your situation is, I think, really important as well.
0: And so you spoke about, I guess, uh, you know, once again, the fluidity and flexibility within that, but then you also have some more hard and fast rules. For example, you mentioned gluten and dairy are things that you don't do. So how do you decide what goes into the I don't do basket and what goes into the fluidity (laughs) and flexibility basket?
1: Yeah, no, that's a great question. I mean, for me, being gluten-free and dairy-free is a non-negotiable. I'm not a celiac and, I and, you know, I'm not lactose intolerant or have a severe dairy allergy, but I certainly have an intolerance to those things. And, you know, I think there's enough research out there for me to make a clear determination that on an individual basis those are things that I'm never going to touch again. So... um I do not think that they promote health. So, you know, once I make a determination that that is not going to work for me, you know, when I eat dairy, I get eczema and I feel very lethargic. So constantly, consistently, every single time. So I just know now that that's something I can't touch. And similarly with gluten, particularly genetically modified and non-organic products, I I just have terrible symptoms, you know. So those kinds of things are non-negotiables you know, leafy greens, um, lots of water. Um, those kind of things are always going to be things that I'm going to do exercising, you know, meditation, that sort of stuff in terms of the flexibility thing. Um, you know, I I might be a very, very, for example, I might be a very, very strict food combiner. And then I might find that my body has changed somewhat and I can tolerate certain combinations that I didn't before. So that would go into the flexibility basket. Um, you know, every once in a while, you know, other things that go into flexibility. I'm not a monk, you know, if I go to somebody's wedding, um, you know, and there's refined sugar or sweeteners that I don't typically consume on an everyday basis, I'm going to have a bite of their cake to celebrate their special occasion. So those kind of things go into the flexibility basket for me. If I'm over at somebody's house and they've you know, lovingly cooked something for me and it's something that I wouldn't typically, um, you know, consume or, you know, it's a processed whatever. I mean, obviously I never eat gluten and dairy and I am a vegan, but, um, you, know, there's, you know, there's certain things that I wouldn't consume on a daily basis, but, you know, I would make an exception for, you know, sweeteners and things, you know, just things like that. You know, I'm not kind of an all, I think an all or nothing approach um, is dangerous. So, um, yeah, I can be flexible about those kind of things.
0: Nice I like that I think I think that's a good way to go and, and I agree with you you know and and there are probably some people listening to this podcast who perhaps don't have that flexibility you know some people who have I guess the more um, you know gross intolerances to things say, well, I can't do that, I can't have that flexibility, and I guess you know I'm probably more similar to you or I am lucky enough to have that flexibility where if I do stray every now and then, then my body tends to deal with it pretty well so long as I'm doing the right thing most of the time and so I guess as you said, it's about about finding out that individuality of what works for you, isn't it
1: Exactly. Exactly. You know, but yes, if you have, um, a a serious food allergy or a medical condition, then no, the flexibility, you know, equation does not apply. It can be very, very dangerous. Um, so, you know, I, I put that out there for people that don't have those concerns. Um, however, having said that, you know, even when you are working with certain dietary or health limitations, I I hate using that term, but you know, or parameters, I should say, if that's part of your story, You know, I still think that there's a way that we can approach food from a place of abundance um, as opposed to a place of depletion. You know, so even if you are a celiac or you're, you know, you're following a paleo lifestyle. I really prefer to frame my food story around what I can have and a celebration of yes. the abundance of things that I can eat as opposed to framing my food story, backing into it from a place of what I can't have. So I do, no matter what people's circumstances are, encourage people to to have that approach to food because it's much more joyous. It's much more of a celebration. And- even if you are on an incredibly restrictive diet, you know, yes, there are, you know, there are the one in, you know, there are select people that are allergic to a ridiculous amount of things, but the average person can eat most vegetables, you know, can eat most, um, you know, most low sugar fruits, you know, fruits and things like that. So I think that there is a huge amount of things in in the food sphere that can be enjoyed, you know, even on a restricted diet. So for me, that's why, I really focus on on the plethora of vegetables and the different ways that you can prepare them to make them delicious no matter how you're eating you know you can I think you know again it doesn't matter what diet you're on vegetables appear you know quite prominently yeah. in those you know health health approaches so for me that's why it's the most interesting thing to focus on because it applies to absolutely everybody and I think can be beneficial to anybody yeah,
0: absolutely. And we often talk about that on the you know, within the paleo diet as well. You know, one of our good friends, Claire from Indie Nature, and I know she always says that she eats more vegetables than a vegetarian, you know.
1: Oh, absolutely. Because- and I think everyone can say that, you know. I mean, I think that, you know, there's this popular misconception that vegetarians or vegans or, you know, whatever are these incredibly healthy people. Well, potato chips are vegan. You know, there's yeah. lots of um, you know, ways that that people can, can live an unhealthy story within those parameters. So, I mean, I think that's why, again, I will always go back to vegetables. But, again, you know, a lot of people just don't find them exciting. So that's why, you know, I think blending them and using the blender to infuse, you know, sauces and dips and spreads and smoothies and drinks and main meals, you know, with as many nutrients as possible and making them as delicious as possible is, is, is exciting to me to show people that, that they can be really delicious and, and fun
0: well let's talk about that let's talk about making vegetables exciting let's talk about making the blender exciting because you know when it comes to in the kitchen i'm probably a bit boring like i tend to just cook really simple stuff which is great and and i love that from a health perspective that i get good stuff but i probably could branch out a bit and make things a bit more exciting for myself and for my kids so you know i've got a thermomix in my kitchen i've got a very expensive blender that i bought and so What am I not doing with it, Tess? Like, what what can I do in my blender that I'm probably not doing now that can expand my repertoire and make things a whole lot more fun for myself and my kids?
1: (laughs) Uh, Well, I mean, I think – I I will say, though, that simple is good. Simple is very good, you know, because it makes it very easy and accessible. So, you know – I think branching out can also be very simple, you know. So a simple, you know, herb-infused, leafy green-infused pesto or chimichurri sauce or salad dressing or dip or spread, you know, can turn that otherwise bland bowl of, you know, steamed or roasted or baked vegetables into something quite spectacular. You know, we're infusing uh, those blended elements with full flavour to highlight the, the taste of the more textured components. So that's really the approach that that I have to the blender. There's this popular misconception that, um, you know, you'd co-check your teeth at the door. You know, so much <laughs> of the enjoyment of food is about the textures and the flavours and the colours and, you know, we're not, you know, throwing that all away because we're sticking some bits of it in the blender. So, you know, I'm a big, um, you know, I'm constantly reinventing pesto, you know, and so I will... Um, you know, use a different leafy green, a different sprouted nut or seed. You know, um, a different kind of acid, a different kind of oil. You know, there's there's ways that we can constantly bring be bringing more variety um, into our into our diet. You know, so for me, you know, that's the, the that's the exciting thing about the blender. Not just because it's quick and easy, but there's there's the alchemy of ingredients that you can achieve in the blender. You can't necessarily always achieve with textured food. You know, so for example. When I realized that the, the the mixture, you know, when you blend strawberries with red capsicum is revelatory, was a huge day for me. You know, when I realized that putting dandelion greens into the blender with coconut milk and pineapple makes it taste like there's a nip of rum in it for people that are abstaining from that is huge. So there's all these discoveries you make. But, you know, above and beyond dips and sauces and spreads, you know, I think that, you know, I'm making burgers in a blender. I'm making healthy you know, chia, raspberry, jam without any sweetener, things like that. There's lots of ways that you could, I'm making raw, uh, raw mayonnaise, you know, with all of those live enzymes. And so that it's, it's not just about extending the food experience, but using the blender to make healthier versions of, of, um, you know condiments and you know everyday staples, you know and just just bringing them up to you know making raw versions that contain all the live enzymes, making uh, versions that contain a lot of nutrients with vegetables and whole foods ingredients, that kind of stuff. So you know I'm making you know I make compost. I mean even skincare, you know homemade cleaning products, there's so many things that you could be using the blender for you know to just kick things up a notch and 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 bring it into a healthier space.
0: All right. Yeah, that sounds great. I'm, I'm salivating. You've definitely expanded my consciousness on what I can do with my blender. So I'm going to have to get busy. So so I guess, you know, how do you start? Like, do I just get like a, a simple, uh, you know, a simple recipe that I can do in the blender for a simple sauce? And do I just start playing with that, like chucking in different sauces, different herbs, different, um, you know, chili or garlic or, you know, is that the way you've done it? Is, is it just playing?
1: Yeah, for me, it has been, you know, but I think that um, for people that don't enjoy playing and cooking and, and I'm not feeling very confident, that's why the internet is such a fabulous resource, you know, buying, finding some key people where you've, you've made a handful of their recipes and every single thing you make is amazing, you know, and then, you know googling or buying a few books from from trusted resources and people where you've used their recipes made their stuff and they're delicious so you really gel with the way that they put flavors together so i think that that's always a great starting point and then taking note of your own experiences so you know knowing that oh all right well okay so last week we made a basil pesto and, and we discovered that you know uh, pistachios go really well with collard greens, for example. And if I put that much basil in, it kind of lifts the bitterness of that. So next time I kind of use it, I might be able to, you know, riff off that basic principle that I learned last week or last month, or I remember that so-and-so in that recipe did that, you know. So, I mean, I think that it's it's just about gathering, you know, uh, um, a a group of staple recipes that you go back to and is your starting point and then constantly reinventing them to keep them interesting. I mean, that's certainly what I do, you know, and for me at this point, you know, I'm just constantly wanting to put, you know, the next batch of ingredients together to make some discoveries about which flavors are going to go really well together, you know? So, you know, for me, I do use the same ingredients over and over, you know, so I'm always using coconut oil and um, olive oil and grapeseed oil and, you know, uh, hemp oil, sunflower oil, macadamia or pumpkin seed oil, you know, all avocado oil, you know, all of those lovely, um, you know, healthy cold-pressed oils that are beneficial to health. So I'm always using those. I'm always using lemons and limes, you know, lots of citrus zest and citrus juice for acids, um, I'm using apple cider vinegar a lot because I think that's the healthiest vinegar. You know, I'm using um, tons of fresh herbs, you know, because not only do they add full flavor, but they're incredibly medicinal. They're very, very helpful for digestion and allergies and um, inflammation and, you know, cold flus, all that kind of stuff. You know, I'm using, uh, you know, parsley and, and coriander and basil and rosemary and tarragon and chives. And, you know, we could go on and on and on, um, thyme and sage and, all that sort of stuff. I'm always, I am always have fresh herbs in my garden. Um, I'm using spices. I use cayenne pepper a lot, um, you know, because it's such a great prebiotic and adds crazy good flavor and, you know, stimulates the lymphatic system. You know, I'm using turmeric a lot um, and cardamom, cinnamon, you know, curry powder you know all all the spices at your disposal and just you know going back to those very very simple things herbs spices cold pressed oils leafy greens you know i feel like they're my staple ingredients i use avocado a lot you know because it's got lots of healthy healthy fats and is you know full of protein and glutathione antioxidants all kinds of stuff and it's a great thickening agent you know in the blender for sauces and uh puddings and dressings and all that sort of stuff so those are kind of my and salt really high quality kelty sea salt so that's kind of my my staple things that are always in my house and always in my pantry and then beyond that i you know i will go to the farmer's market and grab seasonal ingredients and um you know and then i'll source inspiration from you know previous recipes or previous experiences or i may have you know gotten a, a newsletter where someone was doing something really interesting with um you know um, kale or something, and I might go, oh, all right, you know, and then I'll kind of riff off the, you know, the idea that's become so popular the last few years of cauliflower rice, and I'll be constantly looking to see what, I, how I can reinvent that and do something different with it. So I do think that that everybody has their kind of um, bag of tools, so to speak, and their tips and tricks and the ingredients that they like to use and that make them feel good. And I think that if you start there. There's lots of ways that you can source inspiration from people that have, you know, blazed the trail before you, you know, we're always getting ideas from other people. So, you know, I've certainly got my tried and tested people that I go back to again and again, where I know every time I make something, it's going to be pretty good, you know, so uh, that's where I always start.
0: I love that, and and I'm definitely going to have to get my hands on these books because they sound fantastic. And uh, and I've always traditionally been that I've been very much traditionally been a recipe person where I've had to get out the recipe and follow it word for word, or it's kind of ended up a bit of a disaster. But what I'm finding is the more I've done that, the more I've got in the kitchen, I am now getting to the stage where I can you know figure out what herbs go together or what things I can put in there to try and make it work, which is which is kind of exciting and as you said, fun to start playing with. So we've only got a couple more minutes, Tess. This has absolutely flown by, but it would be remiss of me to let you go without asking you this question so what are the secrets to a great smoothie tess (laughs)
1: liquid (laughs) that's Um, a good start yeah yeah and icy uh and i you know a cold cold uh Temperature, because our taste buds are temperature sensitive. We can't taste the full dimension of flavors at extremely cold or extremely hot temperatures, so it helps to lift the pungency of leafy greens and other earthy flavors. So always make them extremely cold. A creamy texture because we never want them to be, you know, earthy or bitty, you know, so I'm always creaming it up with either frozen fruits or avocado or coconut meat and things like that. Um, and then I would say the magic element just to elevate the flavors, you know, putting in some herbs, some spices, cold pressed oils, um, those kind of things. And then superfood powders for me, because it's just a great way to, to really supercharge the experience with a lot of macro and micronutrients. Um, so that's kind of, that's kind of it for me, but I think that that people are often missing the magic, you know, the, the herbs, the spices, a little pinch of salt, which helps to bring out the flavors and alkalizes the blend and sort of balances the acidic effects of fruit and other sweet ingredients. Um, And I also add a half a teaspoon of probiotic powder to every smoothie I make. So that not only, you know, is a great way to get that into your diet every day, but also balances the, the, the acidic effects of some of the um, some of the fruit ingredients and some of the um, the other acids. So, yeah, I mean, I you know, I, I love to experiment with flavors with smoothies and the great thing about them is they're very, very forgiving. You very rarely, you know, unlike baking where it's chemistry, you know, and you put too much baking soda or too much acid, it's got a crappy crumb, it doesn't rise, it doesn't set in the middle. Smoothies, very rarely is there a point of no return where you can't rescue it with, you know, some lemon or some zest or a little bit of sweetener, a little bit of chocolate, you know, cacao powder or something like that. So I will say to everybody, always add tiny amounts at a time because you can add it, but you can't take it back. So um, I always add in pinches or eighth of a teaspoon or a quarter of a teaspoon, particularly with things like ginger and cayenne pepper and spices and herbs, uh, leafy greens and pungent ingredients like that.
0: Yeah, you don't want to go the tablespoon of cayenne pepper and then… Hell no. (laughs) All right. Well, Tess, we're out of time. This has absolutely flown by. So can you tell us where's the best spot for people to go to buy these amazing books?
1: Yeah, you can find me at com, and I'm the Blender Girl everywhere in social media and you can buy the books at bookstores around Australia, the Blender Girl and the Blender Girl Smoothies and you can also find them online in Amazon, the Book Depository, Google Books, all that kind of stuff and you can get the Blender Girl Smoothies app for iPhone and iPad uh, in the App Store.
0: Nice. Well, you're going to have to sort out the Android one there for me, Tess, so you know, <laughs> let me know when that's up and going. Um, thank so you. thank you so much for coming on, Tess. Loved having you on board today. So for everyone else, until next week, join the conversation on Facebook. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Join our newsletter list at thatpaleoshow.com, and it's helped help to grow the paleo tribe worldwide. Join us next week on That Paleo Show. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com.